Let's take our Bibles here tonight and turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 in our Bibles this evening. A couple of weeks ago, we were in looking at the 13th chapter of Corinthians, where we looked at love. We really saw an overview of, of biblical agape love, um, sacrificial love, and I challenged you to make your home a haven, a place uh, that's characterized by love. Uh, and we looked at that and what the Bible says about love. And sometimes when we think about love, we think of marriage as we ought to. Um, maybe we think about uh, the church. Certainly that passage has directly to do with the local church. A church ought to be characterized by love. Sometimes we don't apply it to our homes. And our homes ought to be characterized by love. So I hope um, you didn't leave discouraged, but I hope you left encouraged, maybe with a new vision a new focus, a desire, a longing that your home would be characterized by that kind of love. And if you, you remember, I didn't just give you three points. You just go back to that passage and just read that passage about what love is. And then you can ask yourself, how are we doing in our home? And uh, maybe you find that uh, purity isn't what it ought to be in your home. Or maybe you find that long suffering isn't what it ought to be in your home. And you can just go right through it. So easy uh, passage to read. Um, hard passage to live out. And then, of course, we were in Philippians, and I challenged you with the idea of loving truth. And I told you in Philippians, or we saw in chapter 1 last week, about how if we'll love truth, and remember that was Paul's prayer for those families in that church, that church family of Philippi, uh, that they would love truth, that their love for truth would abound yet more and more day by day. And if if it would, then they would have clarity. Do you remember that? They would have clarity to make hard choices, uh, clarity, just going through life. And they would also have character. Character is, re- is a result of loving truth. And the word I think I used was sincerity, that there'd be sincerity in your home. Uh, genuine, be genuine. And uh, I didn't use it as an illustration. I really wanted to. Of course, staycation has been a little more relaxed, and so I'm wearing the polo shirt. But if I'd been wearing a suit or a sport coat, I wanted to have like a, a white shirt underneath and have it all cut up in pieces, maybe an ugly face on the back or something, and you wouldn't see anything on the front. It all looked just perfectly fine. It looked all dressed up and nice. And I would take off that jacket, and you'd see what was truly there. And uh, in our homes, our homes need to be sincere. Our children need to know their parents are sincere. Um, And we need to teach our children to be sincere. And so love truth, okay? Love truth. And uh, you'll have clarity and character. Sincerity will be a part of your home. Wonderful, wonderful thoughts. And then Second Peter is where we're at here this evening. And I want to talk to you a little bit about teaching. Now, when it comes to teaching, there are two, two parts to teaching, really. We could simplify it to that. There's the dissemination of knowledge, and there's the reception of knowledge. It's one thing, and we're getting up to football season here. A quarterback can throw any, all kinds of passes all over the field wherever he wants, but it's not a catch, it's not a completion, unless the receiver catches the ball, okay? I mean, the quarterback can make a sweet throw, but if the uh, re- receiver doesn't receive the ball, um, then it's not a completion. So, too, can the receiver be running routes all over the field. He can run precise routes. He can have a desire to catch the ball. He can want to catch touchdowns, but if the quarterback doesn't throw the ball, then there is no reception, there's no touchdown, there's no completion. And so it is, I think, with children and parents. Parents, we've been, we've been told, commanded by the Word of God to teach our children, to instruct our children. 
And children are instructed to obey, to receive the instruction of their parents. Um, And so if we're going to be a family that's pleasing to the Lord, there needs to be godly teaching. And the Word of God has to be at the heart of what what we're teaching. Um, I want to read a passage to you before we get to our text. I want you to listen closely. It's a passage from the book of Isaiah uh, in the 28th chapter. And it says this in verse 9. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? Now, think with me in the, about your family. I want you to apply this to your family. There's application there. He says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine, right teaching? He says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So, small, young children. Maybe even before they go to school. Um, These are the ones who should be taught knowledge and should learn doctrine, he says. And then listen to what he says as to how they should learn it. For precept must be upon precept. He repeats it. Precept upon precept. Then he says line upon line. If you were to look at your Bibles, you see lines of words, right? Line upon line. He repeats it again. And then he says this, and if you don't get anything else tonight, get this. Here a little, and there a little. Our children need to be taught truth. And when we teach our children, it's, the teaching doesn't happen in large chunks. Okay? Wouldn't that be great? You know, uh, I could come home and say, honey, I had a great conversation with Will. I mean, it just went incredible. He was just like a sponge, and I just had wisdom oozing out of me like I'd never before. It was just amazing. You know, there were angelic choir, and our, both of our faces were aglow. And William knows everything there is to know up through 12th grade. And the equivalent, maybe, of a Bible college education biblically. He's ready for theology, uh, or, or excuse me, he's ready for seminary, thank you. It was just an amazing moment. I mean, it was just incredible. And then every, all the rest of us could say, you know, I just wait, can't wait for a moment like that. That's not how it works. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. That's a great passage for parenting, I think. Um, if you and I are going to teach our children, if our children are going to please the Lord, if our families are going to please the Lord, it's going to take some consistent, dedicated teaching of the Word of God. And they're going to need it. We, we need it. Our families need it. So good parenting is not accomplished in big chunks. A good teacher must be willing to patiently teach one concept at a time, building one thought upon another, until the student's life and character begins to reflect the truth that they are being taught. And and sometimes as we're parenting, we see a little flicker of reflection. I think I saw, and we talked to our spouse about this, I think I saw what we've been teaching them is finally getting through. I, I think they can actually comprehend it. And then it dims away for the next month or something like that, and we're discouraged. But it's going to take time, here a little, there a little. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 in the New Testament, I think, application of this truth. And we can draw some application from this passage. It's not written primarily to parents 
or to families, but there is much application here for us. And again, I've picked a passage where I'm not going to give you one thought or even two thoughts or three thoughts. It's a passage of Scripture. I hope you write it down somewhere. You go back to it and you, and you ponder it. You meditate on it. You think about it. You pray over it as it pertains to your family. Okay? I'll begin reading in verse number 1. I'll read down through verse 11. It says, Simon Peter, a servant, a slave, is what he was saying, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Who of us here don't want grace and peace multiplied to us? Okay, that's a wonderful thought. Oh, that our children could have that grace of God and the peace of God multiplied in their lives. We'll see how we get that. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or destruction, ruin, that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. We started with that. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. I see this in many families, I fear. Blind, a blindness, even within families that have been part of a church for a long, long time blindness and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins wherefore the rather brethren instead of that give diligence make haste is what he's saying to make your calling and election your salvation stable sure for if ye do these things ye shall never fall for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ let's pray We'll look at this passage as it pertains to our families. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, as we look at your word. Um, may your spirit teach us. Father, we're, we're in the context of a family, so we'll, we'll ponder it that way. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take his sword, your word, and he would apply it to our hearts. Father, I do pray that our families would be characterized by love, sacrificial love, and loving the truth, and we'd have the character and clarity that comes with that. And then, Lord, Lord, I pray uh, this as well, that teaching, that the Word of God would have its proper place in our family, in our lives. Father, that we might benefit from what only the Word of God can do in us, in our families, and therefore, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified, that your name would be magnified by what your word has accomplished in us. So, Father, I'm not asking this so that our families can just enjoy peace and good lives, but mostly, Father, that you would be glorified. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to challenge you to teach your family... Number one, to have a precise knowledge of God through his word. A precise knowledge of God 
through his word. Look at verse number one again. I'll read down through verse four. Simon Peter, of course, is writing. He says he's a servant, a doulos, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he says to them, he's writing to believers, to them that have obtained like precious, and that word precious means tremendous value, faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Then he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of And again, that word knowledge means precise and accurate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And I'll stop for just a moment just to say this. Peter has a passion. He has a desire that these people would know who God was at that time. And the Holy Spirit still wants us to know who God is. We don't learn who God is just merely by going to seminary or to a Bible college or just by hearing sermons preached, or having an intellectual knowledge of the Bible, Um, but he wants us to have a knowledge, a working, precise, accurate knowledge of God. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, that is speaking about the issues of life, just going through life, I'm 40, right? Um, The longer I live, the more I realize I didn't know. Um... I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, I'm 40. I look back to when I was 20, and I thought when I was in my 20s, I was pretty mature, you know. But I look back now and say, Seth, you really didn't have a clue. And then I said this. I said, I'm wondering, when I get to be 60, I'm going to look back to when I was 40 and say, I really didn't have a clue. I was just starting to nibble at the edges of understanding life. And some of you who are in your 60s are going, mm-hmm, yeah, you don't have a clue. Anyway... So, but, but who of us do, doesn't want our children to know how to live life? Okay, so this is very practical. He's saying uh, he's given us divine power uh, pertaining unto the issues of life, living life, and how to do it in a godly way through the knowledge of him. Oh, there's that word knowledge again, a precise, accurate knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4 whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. He's talking about the word of God, this precise, accurate knowledge, that by these, these precise, accurate, precious, exceeding great promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the the destruction, the ruin, he uses the word corruption, that is in the world through lust. Wow. So it's possible to escape ruin in this life. How many of you how many of you have ever known, don't raise your hand, how many of you have known someone who has fallen into ruin, whose life has fallen into ruin? How many of us have made decisions that were ruinous decisions? And they're the kind of decisions where you just kind of want to crumple up into the fetal position. It, it, it's horrific to remember. And Okay. We don't want our children to, to go through that. Some of our children are going to go through that because they're not following this book. And until they do, they're going to reap what they sow, just like we've reaped what we've sown along the way. It's a law. It's like the law of gravity. You can't ultimately defeat it. You can, I can jump off the platform and for a few 
moments. <laughs> I can, oh, come on, give me more credit than that. <laughs> For a little while, I can think I'm defeating it. But ultimately, thank you, Mrs. Haskins, maybe a little more than a nanosecond, I'm going to hit the floor. And it's true in life. You can't disobey the word of God and succeed in life. And so, as parents, we need to teach our families, and you might be here as a teenager, you need to receive the teaching of the Word of God. It actually has everything to do with having a successful life. Uh, In verses 2 and 3, you see the word knowledge. I highlighted it briefly. It has that idea of a precise and accurate knowledge. The Word of God is very precise. It's very accurate. Ask yourself the question, do you have a precise and accurate knowledge of the Word of God? I brought up a couple of weeks ago about the Old Testament, and I mentioned, you know, our understanding is deficient. We're we're actually deficient in our understanding and our working knowledge of the Old Testament. And it's not just Trinity Baptist Church. It tends to be believers in general in the day in which we live. Um, There's a a lack there. It takes a little more effort. Uh, uh, Someone came to me the other day, and we were looking at a passage of Scripture in their Bible, and it was... I could see where he had worked all around it. In this one particular chapter in Colossians, he said, I'm just really struggling with understanding this particular chapter. And you know what? That's good. He's working at it. He's laboring at it. Um, But we ought to be. We ought to be laboring so we have this precise, accurate knowledge of the Word of God. So God wants parents to be, and this is what he tells us in the Old Testament, and, and I won't spend much time here, so listen closely. God wants us as parents to be transparent with our children. He wants us to be honest with our, with our children. And he wants us to be, in our conversations with our children, he wants us to be descriptive about God's work in our lives so that our children will be encouraged to love and respect God. Do we, do we as adults, grandparents, parents, do, we, do our children hear us talking about God in a way that accurately reflects who he is? Is God good, yes or no? Yes. We all say that, yes. We're in church, Sunday night, yes. Even at a staycation, yes, God's good. But during the week, when everything's not going good, he's still good. And you know what? Our children ought to be able to know that Bible doctrine, that theological truth about God when things aren't going well in our lives, necessarily. God is still good. They ought to be able to walk away learning a theological truth about God. God is still good. God is righteous. You know, there's a lot about him. God is holy. God is just. They ought to be able to learn those truths. And and in the Old Testament, uh, God actually gave instruction to the nation of Israel to, to talk about God in front of their children in such a way so that they would know God. You and I as parents, and I'll include grandparents in this, it's one thing It's good for our children to come to church and Sunday school and Wednesday night and junior church and staycations, and they're being taught the Word of God right now. Um, That's all wonderful. We can send our children to Christian school, and they can hear and take Bible quizzes and Bible tests and learn Bible verses. But if they don't learn from mom and dad and from grandma and grandpa who God is, they're really going to struggle with whether or not He's someone that they can trust. If mom and dad couldn't trust him, grandma and grandpa couldn't trust him, well, he's God's for Sunday school, God's for church, 
the 501c3. He's for sermons. He's for talking about, but he's not for real life. And is that the message we want to communicate to our children? Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'll read just a couple of verses here and, and ponder it in light of what I just told you. Again, God wants parents to be transparent, honest, descriptive about God's working in their lives so that their children will be encouraged to love and respect God more. Deuteronomy chapter 4, in verse number 9, in verse 10, it says this. God speaking to his people. He says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, the workings of God in their lives, lest they depart from thy heart, that is, his words, all the days of thy life. He, he says, But teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Talking about your grandchildren there, your, your, your children. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. God actually said, Gather all the people together, so they will not forget what I did in their lives. Gather all the people together so they will remember me, that they will talk to their children about me, so that their children will know me. Isn't it a wonderful truth that God wants our children to know him? He wants to be their God. He wants to be their provider, their protector, their deliverer, their savior. That's what God wants for our children, our grandchildren. And you and I can talk to our children about it. And by the way, no matter where your children may be at this point, because some of us have children in the home, and, you know, when they're in the home, there's a different challenge there. When they're out of the home, there's a different challenge. And some of you could talk to me about that. Some of your children are, were in your home, then they were out of your home, now they're back in your home. I don't know where your children are. But can I encourage you with this truth? You can do what's talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 4, no matter if your child is a five-year-old or a three-year-old or a two-year-old or a one-year-old or whether he or she is a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old, okay, you can still talk to them about who God is. And you're still growing in him. You're still learning about him. You can you talk to your children about him. Uh, there's another passage of scripture in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll take just a moment and read it. But God wants parents to freely talk about God's word. And how it applies to everyday situations. Is this book just a book of theology? This book, is this book just relegated for, for Sundays uh, or devotions? So some of us are disciplined, and so we read it for devotions. But when it comes to other, other areas of life, we, we don't even, it's like it's separate. If we're doing that, we're actually teaching our children there's life, and then there's religion. And I'm almost assured that they will make that distinction later in life. They will not join them. It'll be very difficult. It's not that it can't happen, but it's very, very unlikely. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is Old Testament here, God is telling his people, talk freely about my word. Uh, help your children connect my word, me. God is saying, about himself to them in their lives. Times of sickness. Times, financial times. What, whatever the time may be. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6 says this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. His words. 
And thou shalt teach them diligently. That has the idea of effort. I think we can all understand that. Teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down, when you go to bed. And when thou risest up, when you get up, talk to your children about my word. And, when, and, and thou shalt bind them up for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You know, I would encourage you, portions of Scripture, I, I see uh, on, from time to time people using them as decoration in their, in their home. Do that. Is there a verse that's an encouragement to you? Is there a portion of Scripture that's an encouragement to you, a challenge to you? Um, I can remember being in one person's home and near their television set they had a portion of scripture on the wall and I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's not necessarily an encouraging verse, but you know what? It's probably kept them a time or two. Maybe as they sat there and they were compromising in the flesh and they were beginning to watch something, you know, they were kind of being drawn in and then God drew their eyes to that scripture passage and, oh, let's turn it off. I don't know. I don't know what it protected them from, but use scripture. It can be that way. But the, the biggest point of this passage is teach the word of God diligently unto your children. Talk to your children when, thou, when you're sitting around your house and when you're walking around and working okay, together and playing together. When you lie down, when you go to bed and when you get up in the morning. Talk to your children diligently. Don't miss out. You say, well, my son doesn't pay attention. I get that. <laughs> I understand that. The attention span's that big sometimes. Sometimes it's not there at all. So you know what? You take the opportunities God gives you, and you talk to your children about that. Talk to them. We're, we need to move on. Go, uh, you're still back in Second Peter. Look back with me, if you would, at chapter 1. I want to give you just a couple of thoughts here. As you're teaching your family to have a precise knowledge of God through his word, there are a couple of responses that we can expect, or there are some expectations we can have as we invest the truth in our children, in our, in our families. Uh, I notice, first of all, in verse 2, that the Word of God produces grace and peace. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, that precise knowledge of God, and accurate knowledge of God, and of Jesus our Lord. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Um, some of you who are older, you have children who are in the workplace, and you love it when you hear about your, your son or your daughter's employer giving them favor, when they fall into favor, they come into favor. And you know that person recognizes the value of your child. And your child's doing a great job, but that person recognizes the value of your child, and you know this, the good things are about to happen here because your child's doing the job, and that employer's recognizing the value and, and they're showing him favor, or they're showing her favor. Um, isn't it wonderful to think even more so about God giving favor, unmerited favor, and grace to our children, to our families? Well, how do they come into a place? How can you position your child to be in a place where God is opening up the heavens and giving grace to your child? Well, a precise, accurate knowledge, a working knowledge of the Word of God. That's what it says in verse 2. But then he says, peace, too, peace. How many of us at times in our lives find ourselves that there's not a whole lot of peace? It's 
consternations, frustration. Isn't that, isn't that a terrible way to live life? Isn't that? That's a miserable way to live life. None of us want to live life that way. Well, again, and I'm talking about the Word of God here and the importance of teaching it to our children, to teaching it to our, our families. The Word of God actually produces peace in the life of a person. Um, we live in a day where uh, drugs are an, an epidemic type of a thing. There's no end. Prescription drugs. What do, we, what, do, what do we have to do to find peace? And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a pharmacist. I don't, I'm not saying don't take or do take. I'm not going there, okay? That's between you and your doctor and the Lord, okay? But I know this. We serve a God of peace. We have the Prince of Peace living within our hearts. And life is challenging sometimes. The greatest thing we can do, I can do for my children is to teach them the Word of God, a precise, accurate knowledge, not fluff. Not making up stories, not being real creative and giving an inaccurate picture of who God is, but an accurate picture of who God is. To help my children know the God of the Bible as best they can as they grow up, not more than they can, but as best they can as they grow up. And you know what? God, by his Holy Spirit, is going to continue to teach them and continue to work in their lives. My role in my children's lives, frankly, it has a huge influence the role of my wife in our children's lives has a huge influence, but our time of influence, our window of influence, frankly, and the lifespan that they will have, most likely, our influence is pretty small. Now, we're still going to have an influence if God leaves us here on this earth, but we have a tremendous opportunity right now. Take advantage of it. So, uh, as we teach our children a precise knowledge of the Word of God, it produces grace and peace. It results in godly living. Look at verse number three. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, issues of life, and godliness, that's living with a fear of God, through the knowledge, there's that precise, accurate knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The word of God, teach it to your children. Learn it yourself. It will keep you from sin. Pastor Scott used to say this when we were in junior church years ago, and I was a little fella, and you were stealing, taking my G.I. Joe's away from me in junior church on Sunday mornings. Uh, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. It's true. This book will keep us from sin. It convicts us. It actually produces godliness. It, it can keep our families from regret. It can keep our children from going over the edge, because you know... They're going to be tempted. They're going to be tempted. Custom-made temptations just for them are being prepared for them. Custom-made. And there's no way that I as a father can protect my William or Olivia or Tori or Ian from these things. It's going to have to be the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's going to do it. The Word of God produces Christ-likeness. We read about that in verse 4. Look at verse number 5. And I want you to see that as we teach our families, as we lead our families to follow the Word of God, to, to this precise, accurate knowledge of the Word of God, I also see that we should teach them, we should lead them to diligently add to their faith. Faith is that initial receiving Christ as our personal Savior. That's an important moment in life. It, it's the most important decision a person can make. 
But it's awfully sad if a family stays there. Maybe they come, they attend church, maybe they get involved in a ministry, but they don't add to their faith. And, and there are seven particular characteristics that he talks about here. Uh, look with me, and I'll just I'll read through them briefly. In verse number five, he says this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. It's yielding to God's control, his leading. Uh, for, for our children, these would be seeds uh, of attitude sown as parents establish authority and control. It's a child learning to yield to parental authority. Add to your faith virtue, he says, into virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, verse 5. That's the understanding of doctrine. That's that precise knowledge we've been talking about. Um, For children, this would be the ability to learn the basis for family rules. A child to begin to receive limitations that are put into his life. Look for opportunities to limit your children. Don't do it to torture them. Okay? I'm limiting you. I'm making you miserable because I can. That's not good parenting. Okay? Don't do that. But... When there's, an oper- when there's a, a, a situation where you're going to limit them, you're going to say, no, you're not going to go, and they're a young child, you need to be able to tell them why, and then you need to be able to help them come to grips with their authority limiting them. Is God going to put limits on them throughout their lives? Yes or no? Yes. So as a parent, I can actually teach my child how to respond when God puts limits on them later on, 30 years from now, 20 years from now. I can, I can work with William right now in preparation for that play that's coming against him someday. Okay. I, I can do that. Knowledge. Temperance, he says in verse 6. Temperance is a self-discipline over emotions, self-discipline over appetites and feelings. Ooh, disciplining our own feelings and our attitudes. And our fleshly desires, it's putting into practice what we've learned. For our children, it's teaching them to the ability to control and deny their self-willed nature. And add to that patience, he says in verse number 6. That's the ability to persevere in the Christian life when we face opposition. Are you ever tempted to quit or stop? Are you ever tempted? Does that ever thought ever flicker through your mind? It's going to flicker through your children's mind. Maybe not in the same way. It's going to flicker through their mind. So we need to teach our children the ability to persevere and learn self-discipline. For young, young children, help them to learn to increase their attention span. Sunday nights are great for that, by the way. And, and it's been a little while Williams, you don't know if he's making us look good, uh, but, uh, I mean, there was a time where Cindy was taking him out for love once or twice every Sunday evening service. Okay? How many of you remember that? Yeah. Did she look happy? And it was hard because, you know what? I was up here, and she had to do it all herself, and that's pretty much what been, the way it's been. I've never, I don't think I've ever taken them out for a service. They all had to be taken out at times on Sunday nights. And boy, did he look miserable. You didn't look as miserable, dear, but he looked miserable. It was a battle. But you know what we were doing? We're teaching him these sort of things. You have to honor, you need to honor your parents. 
We're asking you to sit on your bottom for just one of Dad's short sermons. It's not a big deal. Cindy needs to take some of you out. (laughs) She's too sweet for that. And so add to patience godliness. Godliness, in verse 6, that's a fear of God that leads to righteousness. For our children, that's developing convictions. Uh, add, to your, add to godliness brotherly kindness. Uh, a willingness to forgive and love others sacrificially. Wow, churches lack that. It's something to be added to our faith. For our children, that's the ability to put themselves in the place of another, to get along with another, to yield their rights to their siblings, maybe, or to a friend. Into, into that charity. And that brings us back to the beginning of our series. Charity, an ability to respond to God out of love, to be motivated to serve Him by love, to give, out of, to give of self out of love. And for our children, that's the ability to be unselfish, the ability to be giving, the ability to obey out of love for their parents and their authority instead of being motivated out of a, out of a fear of chastisement and consequence. It all starts with this precise knowledge, though. And I don't have time to continue, but I'll say this. As you're leading your family, and you lead them in this way to a precise, accurate knowledge, and and lead them to add to their faith, and you remember the word, don't forget the word diligently. You're going to have to do it diligently. It's going to be work. You're going to be tired of it. You're not going to want to do it. That happened this afternoon. Something happened, and I I heard it. I thought, that's not good. I heard it again. I thought, Cindy will get it. I heard it again. I thought, where's Cindy? <laughs> I heard it again. I think my thought was, what's wrong with you kids? Okay. What am I doing? I'm putting it on. I was not being diligent. Finally, I got up with a smile on my face and the halo over my head. And I walked to deal with them. <laughs> and I did. But you know what? It's, don't forget the word diligence. You're going to have to teach your children, and it's going to be work. And nobody else, mom and dad, is responsible to teach your children the way that you're responsible to teach your children. Nobody else. Nobody else. And if we will lead our families this way, it will lead to mature believers. Not immature believers that are blind and can't see afar off. Not not immature believers who don't know if they're saved or not. Immature believers who who don't know the word of God and their, their view of God and his word is very convoluted. They picked up some Sunday school here and some memory verses here, but it wasn't systematic. It wasn't diligent. It wasn't taught uh, in the home. It wasn't taught when you went to bed. It wasn't taught when you got up. They weren't able to see it. They need an illustration of it. And so it leads to this wavering. But a mature believer can expect an eternal reward someday, kept from falling into sin. These are things that you and I long for for our children. So, teach teaching. Teaching the Word of God, the precise, accurate knowledge of the Word of God. Not just book learning. Book learning lived out through parenting, through grandparenting, through church family. Here a little, there a little. Precept upon precept, line upon line, 